We make thousands of decisions throughout the course of our day, and by the end of it, the last thing we want to do is make even more choices about what to have for dinner. Say goodbye to last-minute grocery store runs, meal planning, and recipe stress when you sign up for Home Chef. Home Chef makes your nightly routine easier and more exciting with a wide selection of delicious meals that arrive at your doorstep in the form of fresh, perfectly pre-proportioned ingredients and an easy-to-follow recipe card. With 20 unique and flavorful chef-curated meal options available each week, Home Chef ensures you and your taste buds will never get bored. Once you create your Home Chef account and set your meal preferences, you simply select your weekly menus and adjust your delivery dates. Skip weeks or pause whenever you need. Home Chef will recommend meals based on your selected preferences with plenty of menu options to fit any dietary needs. Looking to master the art of cooking? Check out their classic meal kit options complete with chef-written, step-by-step instructions. Don't have time in your busy schedule to cook? No problem. Have a hot, delicious meal on the table and a snack with quick solutions like their 15-minute recipes, microwave meals, and oven-ready options that save you time and effort in the kitchen. Plus, clean up is a breeze. Goodbye grocery shopping. For a limited time, go to homechef.com slash PC1 for $90 off your first month. That's a value of 10 free meals. Again, go to homechef.com slash PC1. That's PC and the number one for $90 off. Today on the Callahan Podcast, Matt Stafford's heading to L.A., to play for the Rams, lucky Matt Stafford. He was all—he was okay to go anywhere in the NFL. He just didn't want to come to New England. We will talk about that with our man Mute, and we'll look ahead to the Super Bowl: Tom Brady versus Pat Mahomes, the best matchup ever in the Super Bowl. Also, Mute is going to help us uh, understand this whole GameStop story. He's going to defend. Those hedge fund, those evil hedge fund guys that everybody's hating on. Mute says they're not such bad guys after all. Also, the Boston Globe is coming after our guy, John Mita Perel, for not picking up his dog crap. <laughs> Even by Globe standards, what they did, what they tried to do our, to our man Mita this weekend was despicable. We'll get into all that and more on today's Callahan podcast. Brought to you as usual by DCU. Do you love your car but hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance your car today with DCU and they can help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy and their loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance. Insured by NCUA membership required. All right, Colin, let's go. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. All right, it is February 1st. It is the uh, the one week, one week till Super Bowl 55. And uh, it's one, one year since the first person in Massachusetts was uh, diagnosed with COVID-19 back when we used to think that, uh, you know, it was going to kill us all and kill all the children if they went to school and man, have things uh, changed a little bit in the last year, but in one week, mute and Colinane, Tom Brady will play in his 10th Super Bowl, And I'm wondering like in the next seven days, how much worse will the Patriots look? Cause every day the Patriots look worse. His former team looks worse. And everyone was saying the big story over the weekend was that, that Matt Stafford, who was traded from Detroit to L.A., what a what a great – I mean, all he did was one day say, I want to be traded, and three days later he's playing in L.A. and out of Detroit. Uh, but great, you know, great news for Matt Stafford. But the big news in New England was he had a list, a list of teams he didn't want to be traded to. And there was one team on that list, the New England Patriots, 
Um, I believe it. If, if for nothing else, then he didn't want to be uh, with Matt Patricia anymore. But another question I have, and I see stories like this, the price of a quarterback. Um, uh, Stafford's going to be 33 this week, next week, 33. He's been to one Pro Bowl. He's good. He was the number one pick. But the mother load they had to give up to get him. And then you look, the quarterback in the Super Bowl representing the NFC went from New England to Tampa Bay last year uh, about this time, Mute, and the Patriots got nothing. <laughs> they got nothing. And I understand they were rewarding the guy for 20 years of great service and all, but couldn't they have at least you know gotten like a second-round pick, you know, franchised him if that's what it took, or made a deal, worked out a deal with him that we're going to trade you where you want to go, but we got to get something. Yeah, I, the thing that, that I don't really – understand and then and, and I'm trying to get my arms around on the trade is why um, LA had to pay uh, that much for Stafford I mean granted they obviously did not believe in Jared Goff the fact that they had to throw in you know two first round picks and a third to get Matthew Stafford now granted I know there's a salary dump for Goff and because he had a ton of I think he's got like 60 million due on right, his right. over the next couple of years but it just seems like they paid a high price to to get Matt Stafford and I don't understand. It's it's like you're helping L.A. out by getting those numbers off the books. Why are you having to throw in those extra? Well, I think we found out some more this morning. I'm looking at Pro Football Talk. You know, Florio's reporting that the, I, I think it was uh, an NFL Network report that he picked up on. But anyway, that they uh, the Carolina Panthers offered the number eight pick in the draft, which is, sounds like more than – yeah, and it sounds like a lot because right. um, obviously you could get a quarterback there. You could, you know, it, it, the, the the Rams who've got uh, no, you know, give up every first round pick they have. The Rams have no first round picks for like the next you know, ten years. Yeah, right. To get him, but they didn't have a pick that high, and they're not going to. If they're, I mean, if Stafford goes there, and we think McVay's a good coach, they're not going to be picking in the top ten. They could have picked in the top ten this year if they sent Stafford to um, to Carolina, but uh, they well, did. The fascinating thing you look at that, and you mentioned it, Jerry, the fact that L.A. has no draft picks, their ability to move on from guys. I mean, even think they, they overpaid Gurley and got rid of him like last year. They said they saw that. They're like, done, cut ties with him. They owed him a lot of guaranteed money. Then there's some disconnect there with Goff and, and McVay that they made this move. And you got the one thing you give them credit for is that they're making a move to win. I think they recognize their windows in this short amount of time, and they didn't think that they could get there with Goff. And the fact that they pulled it off showed that they had the balls to do it. Um, I give them a lot of credit, especially if it works out. But it, it just seems like a ton to give up for a guy who hasn't really done much in the postseason. It's, uh, it's done nothing. He's played three playoff games and lost them all. I realize he's a lion and mm. they don't win, but um, it's like a new way of doing things. Uh, again, everyone gives McVay credit like he did for balls. We give him credit for balls. This took balls. Yeah. But it's like a new approach. Uh, we're going to try to build a winner, you know, build a Super Bowl team without first round picks. You know, we're just going to do it without any first round picks between the Jalen Ramsey deal and the, uh, and the Stafford deal, they just the last first round pick they had, I believe, was Goff, right? He was the last one that they. And they had. don't have another one till like 2024. So if he can do it, maybe it's a trend, and people say, you know, first round picks are overrated, and you gotta. And and the other thing he's proving or showing is that if you get a chance to upgrade a quarterback, if you get a chance to get a good, real good, you know, 
NFL quarterback, then you got to do it, whatever it costs. And if it works out, if Stafford's good there, I mean, really, really good, you know, takes them to the playoffs, takes them to the Super Bowl, goes to Pro Bowls, all that, stays healthy, then people will say, boy, it's paying off. McVay knew what he was doing. But if he doesn't, if he gets hurt, if he's just mediocre, if Goff goes to Detroit and he's pretty good, McVay's going to look like a fool. And I give him credit because I think a lot of coaches – even if they like this deal, wouldn't do it because it, it would because it could blow up on them and make them look terrible. Absolutely, I give them credit for you know you look at a lot of NFL franchises and they they get caught in the the confirmation bias. Whether well we right. draft this guy, we got to show our, our front office that we support him, and they stay on and they end up signing these guys to huge extensions because they owe them. Uh, you know they want they need to keep them on the roster because they're so worried about not having somebody at that position. Then they overpay them, and then they're stuck with that albatross of a contract, and they're they're afraid to get out of it. Well, the the Rams just said, "Screw it, we don't think we can win with them. We're going to do our best to get rid of them," and they did it. And not a lot of teams do that, so you, you got to give them credit for for making that move. And and I'm I was shocked to see that that they actually pulled it off and and did it. And Detroit obviously taking some of that you know taking that money on their salary cap. But they get a lot in return. It's it's credit to the Rams for just saying, hey, listen, we're not just going to – if we think he's not the guy, we got to go get the guy that we think can be, and we're moving on and no looking back. And and not a lot of people do that because everyone's afraid of losing their jobs if they do that. I know. Like, everyone's playing scared, and McFay doesn't. I'll give him credit. Um, but did you see where or how it all came together? They bumped into each other in Cabo. Uh, Matt Stafford was there. And uh, and McVeigh with his supermodel girlfriend was down in Cabo. I'm right. sure the whole place, you know, like when teams lose, get knocked out of the playoffs. I'm sure half the team goes to Cabo. I'm sure they're all, you know, social distancing and wearing masks. But right. they were sitting by the pool together, Stafford and McVeigh. Um, and hell, McVeigh's not much older than Stafford, right? I, mean, no, I think I think he's about three years older. Then they're just hanging out, and somehow that you know he said. Um, I'm, I want to be traded and said, I'm going to go get you. And he did. I mean, it's, if you're a Rams fan, I don't know how many people are Rams fans, but that's pretty cool. Your, your guy sold out for a quarterback. And in this day and age, you know, it better than anyone. Quarterback is everything. I mean, it's the most important player in any sport at every level. I mean, high school, college pro, if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win. doesn't matter who your coach is. doesn't matter how good your you know weapons are. And, uh, uh, Brady's, proven that again he's he's going into this game the greatest quarterback ever against the greatest quarterback in the game today somebody was calling it over the weekend who was it someone said the greatest matchup in super bowl history and it's hard to argue when you think about it when you get i mean we're just talking quarterbacks not necessarily the whole team or coaches or whatever but there's never been a matchup this this you know, high profile. Well, you know, he had Marino, just, you know, the drama, this dramatic, this, right. this, I mean, it is, this is like epic. And Brady Rogers last week was pretty cool, right. but this is better because Mahomes is just the most entertaining guy. He's the next Brady. And when you think about it, what Brady's doing, playing in his 10th Super Bowl, could win his seventh. It seems like a record that will never be matched. But Mahomes is 25 and he's in his second in a row. Right. I mean, he could he could go to you know nine Super Bowls ten Super Bowls by the time he's forty three right if they can keep that roster together with that offense that why not I mean everyone uh, there there's other teams that are coming but the Chiefs are just so 
you know, head and shoulders above everybody. Why not? Why, why can't Mahomes make that move? And it's funny when you actually going back to the Stafford thing, like I know people want to blame it on Patricia, but could it be that maybe Matthew Stafford just looked at what the Patriots had at the skill positions and just said, yeah, I'm not going to waste my career going to throw to that. Cause but, he, and, and, and say, I would have said the same thing. I'd have been like, yeah, I don't blame you for saying that. You know what he's going to do today. I don't know if he's still in cut. I don't know if he's still in Cabo mute, but you know what he's going to do today. He's going to turn on, you know, the TV and see like eight feet of snow in New England, and he's just going to say, "Why would anyone want to go there?" I mean, let's be honest. Other than Brady's, why people want to play Brady slash, you know, the guaranteed playoffs. I mean, they were guaranteed to go to the playoffs. They were, you know, went to the Super Bowl half the time. Brady was here. That's why people wanted to come here if they wanted to come here at all we know there are people who didn't want to come here even when they were winning because it wasn't fun enough you know they don't have fun in new england who said that who was the one that famously said oh it's lane johnson the tackle for the eagles right right they don't have fun yeah, in new england and they'd be, um, be a fun i'd rather fun and win one than than not have any fun right 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 but I mean, if I, if you were Stafford, and that's okay. That's an okay mentality when you're riding high in right. New England. But when it doesn't look pretty, you don't want any part of that. I would assume. Yeah, it's, no. Isn't I, there a potential for this to look bad, man? Just to look. Obviously, it's everyone's loving the fact that Stafford said he wouldn't come, uh, you know, to New England and play for Belichick. But it just seems to be uh, kind of a precarious situation. They get the 15th pick. That's not going to be one of the top four quarterbacks, right? There's not going to be, there'll probably be four or five quarterbacks gone by then. Correct. From, from the sound of them, uh, from the looks of the mock drafts, there looks to be four and that's going to happen there. I, I'm surprised. I, I still don't think even if any of those guys are there, that the Patriots are going to grab them. Uh, I still think they're going to go the veteran route. And well, I, said, Jim, well, I wouldn't be surprised Jim, if he comes back. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, but yeah, the, you know, there's always the quarterback hype, and and with this year where you know a lot of teams didn't weren't able to go on the road and see some of these guys play, um, they're going to have the the workouts, and then they're going to have the workout bias that goes with them, and and I think because of that, some of these quarterbacks going to move up higher than they should, and I really don't I don't think some of them really deserve to be in the first round to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I definitely believe Trevor Lawrence is head and shoulders above the rest of everyone. Yeah, I mean, he's, He's no, he's the top. He's going number one. In the, you know, you're talking BYU's quarterback. You're talking, you know, the possibility of even Trask from Florida, Fields, uh, North Trey Lance. I mean, all these guys are the possibility of being top ten picks. I just, I, I have a tough time seeing it. I just, I just. Don't yeah, I mean, I, you're probably right. Bel Belichick will more likely go if he could get Jimmy Garoppolo back here. I mean, he gave him up for a second round pick. Is he going to have to pay, pay more than that to get him back here? If, if. Uh, well, I mean, San Francisco could cut him if the, if they made a move, whether it's getting an getting another veteran quarterback or you know Matt Ryan. If Matt Ryan gets bought out of town and and for Ooh. the Falcons, does he want to go there because of the familiarity with with Kyle Shanahan? I mean, obviously they had a great run where Matt Ryan was Super Bowl uh, excuse me Super Bowl competing team and they lost to the Patriots, but he also was the MVP of the league that year. So Patriots, do really? they try to make that? Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan to San Francisco. Yeah, there's a. There, I expect there's going to be a lot of movement with the veteran quarterback situation, and you know, poor Jared Goff. I mean, you go from being a California kid your entire life to just, dude, you, you just got now you got sixty million to go to Detroit, but you're still, I mean, sixty million going to Detroit. Yeah, but you know, he I started that that last playoff game, uh, uh, like eighteen for twenty, but he doesn't look like you know, he doesn't look like a, a well, he's great got a, a, thumb. He did have a broken thumb, so. But, yeah, but 
McVay's not in fact, they didn't even want him to play when he was healthy. They wanted to play the kid right. Nick Forrest, John Wolford. And that if that didn't tell you that there was a rock, some rockiness going on there, then I don't know what was because there's there's something happened in that room with McVay and Goff this past year. Right. And now Goff is pretending that he's happy to be on to Detroit. I don't know if you saw like he asked, you know, what said that? Who's ever like, re, who, I'm happy to go to Detroit. <laughs> he that tweeted. Must, that must be the toughest thing to sell yourself on. He tweeted like, what's uh, so excited on to go? What, you know, what do I need to know about Detroit? And, and Barry Sanders tweeted back at him with like a blank tweet, like nothing. And, and he said, Barry, I think you accidentally tweeted me. He says, no, I didn't. I was just telling you what's great. What's to look forward to in Detroit. So Barry Sanders, the greatest lion ever, a legend is like right. telling the kid, uh, telling Goff, you know, forget, don't get too excited. You're you're a lion now. You're going nowhere. It is it is a loser franchise, and uh, build the whole thing. Their their coaches, you know, Matt Campbell seems like he's complete psycho. Talking, you know, his opening press conference about bite kneecaps and fighting right. was was so ridiculous. I, mean, I love so well with Jared Goff. I love you know uh, pep talks and pregame speeches, yeah. and I love you know remember the Titans or or whatever the the I love those scenes. You know, those Herb Brook Herb Brooks uh, motivational speeches. Right. Campbell's speech was silly. It was stupid. You know, we're gonna bite your kneecap. I'm like, it felt like watching a you know, Pop Warner coach or maybe a high school coach watching this knucklehead. Can you find some Dan? Is it Dan Campbell? Yeah, it's Dan Campbell. And then Dan they Campbell. also have Chris Spielman there, too. So you got Chris Spielman, who is, you know, is calling games for Fox, too. You got the ultimate football guys that they're going to. I wouldn't be surprised to see them, like, fitting each other up in the hallway when they're going to meetings. They're going to start tackling each other. And right. I mean, I, I, I could see years ago, maybe, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you'd see a coach like Campbell giving that speech. You say, oh, yeah, we're going to go right. we're gonna be tough. But now it's like it's a different game man. you need a, a coach has to be really smart. Do you have do you have Dan Campbell, the coach there, Cullinan? So this team's going to be built on uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. You know what? While we're on the subject, I don't know. Look out. Here comes Dan Campbell. If you could pull this off, uh, Colin A. But the the Eagles coach, that was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen. Uh, I can't. I mean, you, you, we don't know how it's all going to go. We don't know what kind of coach he's going to be. But it was one of the worst day ones I think I've ever seen. This is in Philadelphia. This guy comes out with his rambling, and, and I think he was trying to do kind of what Campbell did. Sound like he was going to get his team to run through walls for him. Right. But how do you say the, the coach's name? In Philadelphia. Chini or something like that. Yeah, the, yeah. Can we can we get his uh, introductory press conference, Colin? And everyone was tweeting about it, just saying this poor guy. I mean, I I don't see him lasting two years. I, I and I, I, you know, who lasts who lasts shorter, him or the Texans coach? I mean, the Texans hire. I mean, literally, it goes in, and then Deshaun Watson's like, "Yeah, I'm out. Uh, I formally request a trade. I don't even know who this guy is." Although there is rumors that he's kind of the bridge to Luke McCown becoming a, the head coach there, but th- I mean that one. I, which one fell more flat? Both of them. Well, I didn't hear Cully, the, the new Texans coach, do a speech or whatever. But I think the Eagles coach was worse because it's Philadelphia, and they were just good. I mean, they just won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and now you you bring in this guy, you get rid of Doug Peterson, the guy that led you there, and 
you bring in this guy who um, Nick Sirianni. Yes, Nick Sirianni. Sirianni. Well, the whole he, move for that is, I mean, this is the thing that you worry about with your if you're an Eagles fan, right? You look at that and you're like, we just totally changed the trajectory of our team because we needed to fix our quarterback that we paid a ton of money to and that we're not going to trade and get rid of. So we need to fix it. So they try to go back and get Sirianni, who's on Frank Reich's staff, who led Wentz to having that MVP type right. They mortgaged their entire future and changed coaching staff so they can fix the quarterback. Now, does it make sense? Maybe because you're giving them so much money. But if this doesn't work, you've lost your whole team. And you just basically said to the team that the most important thing on this team is Carson Wentz. Not you guys, not where we were going. We made this for Carson. Really? I thought Jalen Hurts was the quarterback, but whatever. We'll find out. Can we, guys, Cullen ain't still there? Did he go? Did he I, got it. I got it for you. Next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team, that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the, the people in place to do that. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're gonna, we're gonna know. We're gonna have systems in place that are easier to learn. All right, complicated to the defense or offense that they're going against, or the special teams group they're going against, but easy for us to learn. Because when we can put that, because we when we can learn our system and we can get good at our system, then our talent can take over. Less thinking equals talent take over, but we need to have systems in place, and we will have systems in place to do so. Less thinking. <laughs> Less thinking. We need to make it simple. Um, that as soon as he was done, the, you know, Twitter blew up, and everyone was like, "That that's you know that sounded like a kid who didn't do the homework, and the teacher yeah. called on them, and they were forced to give a book report for a book yeah. they didn't read." Speaking class. All right, you got to go do a press conference. <laughs> You're due on Monday, and he came in, and he literally was drunk all weekend, and he's like, "Oh my god, I have to do my speech." <laughs> goes up there, that- no clue what was going on. That was awful. And you, uh, I go back again to say, now, uh, if Belichick's taught us anything, you, it's that you have to be really smart. There's a lot of stuff on your plate. Mm-hmm. When you're the NFL, a head coach in the NFL, it, there's a thousand people essentially relying on you, play, not just players, coaches, the whole organization. And this, <laughs> this guy sounds like he's, you know, at some little high school somewhere saying, yeah, we're going to keep it simple. I don't have too many plays. Right. <laughs> Well, the best part is 31 other NFL coaches saw that thing and go, at least we're not that guy because that sucked. So he's the bar now. I mean, you got it to be worse than that is, is going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty tough. I mean, he was all over the place and had nothing going on. It was just a whole bunch of like, here, here's some bullet points. Talk about this and then just puked them all out and was so scared. I would love to have seen, I would love to have seen his like hands. He must have been shaking like that. I know. And afterwards, do you think he looked at whoever's assistant and said, you know, his wife said, How'd I do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did great, honey. You, you, did. It. you absolutely did. Maybe, it's, it. maybe it's good to get it out of the way, right? Like that's a, that's a tough market to, yeah. uh, oh, to yeah, there be you go. In. Set the bar so low. Yeah. Right. There you go. It's a good call. Well, I don't know if you guys remember Rod Rust. He was introduced and uh, as a head coach, and I covered it, and it was embarrassing. He was just so, like, it wasn't that bad, like, where he was going, ah, we want to be, he was laid back, and he didn't say anything, and he was so nervous, and he was afraid to say the wrong thing, and it was just the least inspirational uh, introductory press conference you've ever seen. And I wrote that, and he told um, he, he told someone to tell me that, that I nailed it because that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to avoid getting in any saying anything that was right. going to get be controversial. But at the same time, 
It was so uninspiring that everyone was like, that's our coach. He lasted one season. It was a disaster. He was in way over his head. And he sounded much smarter than this guy, Sirianni. And maybe, you know what? We'll all be shocked next year. Maybe the Eagles will go, you know, 13 and three and end up in the Super Bowl again. But that feels like a guy who's going to, it was one and done. They're going to say, well, I think the Eagles need to hire a proxy to do his press conferences from now on, at least till he gets a little more coached up on that. He just, he needs to not be in front of the camera for a while. Right. It's one thing, you know, to be in, to be in Carolina and be, or Jacksonville and be a little bit uh, over your head, but in Philadelphia, they're going to just eat him alive. I didn't see you over the weekend. Did he take questions after that too? Because that was like, I, I bet the Philly reporters were just so stunned they couldn't even ask a question. They were just their mouths were just wide open, like, "What the hell just happened here?" Yes, yeah, can we get some more of him? I didn't hear it. That's all I heard because uh, it was like, "Do you a, need to hear any more?" I mean, like, right, yeah, I want to see if he recovered. Did he, did he get his find his footing? I mean, did he recover from that, that idiotic take that we want to really keep it simple? Because uh, you know, like our players aren't that smart. They need to play fast, and if you're thinking and not playing, then you're not fast. And there's a I mean, nice. You know that's true. It's I mean, I've said it too that if you want to slow a player down, make them think. It's right. an old adage, but that's not what your head coach is supposed to say. That we don't want to think; we just want to go out there and play. Because, like you said, it's about it's all about the quarterback. And he was brought in to fix the quarterback. He's a, an offensive guy who was there, uh, you know, when they won the Super Bowl and Wentz was good. Bring him back in, see if he could fix him. So you're thinking he's some kind of guru and he's you know smart. He's on the ball. And then he comes out and starts rambling about uh, about how we got to keep it simple. You're going to start getting all these little side pieces coming in from like the like Howie Rosenbaum and, uh, and all the other Philly organization just going to send him out. No, he's really a smart guy. There's going to be like an article about how he's like really, really bright to just save it and save himself from that interview. You definitely going to uh, you're definitely going to see some of that stuff coming in the back channels in the next couple of days. I mean, I feel like and it's totally unfair. I feel like the Detroit guy, Campbell and the Sirianni, they're both one and done. They're just in over their heads. Maybe they gave good interview like like the, the, the if you sit down with Campbell and you feel like you're in the presence of, you know, a, a, a tough guy and he's going to toughen everybody up and they're going to play hard to the end and all that. Right. But then again, I feel like he's not that smart. Maybe he is. Maybe he just doesn't, you know, Campbell, it well, but for an NFL coach to get a six year deal is pretty surprising. And Campbell got six. So obviously committed to just blowing that thing up and starting over. They must've really hated what Patricia was doing. There. Six years and what? Like 20 million. That's no way. It's going to be way more than twenty million. Years, twenty million dollars. So hey, these guys make six, seven million dollars a year. Not this guy, is he? I'm going to look that hey, up. Okay, gonna, more than four. You're a you're a football guy. You're uh you know you played Boston College. You almost played for the Patriots. You're uh, you know your stuff. You're a smart guy. Um, do you ever look at that guy and say I should have got into coaching? If this guy, this Dan Campbell, who sounds like a meathead, is yep. making. Twenty-five, thirty million dollars. I mean, do you think that maybe you should have gone that direction, or is it, maybe it's not too late? Well, I, I thought about it, but the the problem is, is that it's a tough lifestyle, right? Because, like you just said, if if you're one and done and you're out of things, you're constantly moving your family around. You're spending all these hours in the office trying to find the newest gadget, or the newest play to do that. Is it really? conducive to raising a family and you know missing all those events and raising your kids in different cities all the time it's not 
it's not really kind of what I wanted to do. And and I look at a lot of these coaches, and I'm going to be 100% honest. Some of these guys that are that have made it to major Division One colleges and some that have made it to the pros were one bad decision for being a high school gym teacher. You know, you look at it, it's like they're you're, they're not going to be econ professors in any in a former life. Like not many of them are, were equipped to do other things, but they rode the right train and they got behind the right coaching staff and they made a success and some bet more than others. But there's a couple of them that you look and you're like, how the hell did this guy make it so far? Because he doesn't seem like he knows what the hell is going on. Sometimes they just, you know, they make it and you see it and you see it sometimes. And it's just like, how I, I figured this out now. What happened here, Mute, is uh, their last coach was really smart. We know that. He's, I don't know if you heard this, but he was a rocket scientist. Uh, yeah. Matt Patricia, he went 13 and 29, 13, 29 and one. He was a disaster. He didn't handle the media well. Obviously, the players didn't uh, respect him and play play hard for him or whatever. It was a disaster. And he was they were hoping for a Belichick type, a wonk, a guy who was just wasn't good enough to play, you know, beyond division three, never played in the NFL, just really smart. He put the pieces in the right places, and it was a disaster, like everyone who tries to be Belichick. And it and it's amazing. I don't know what that actually means, trying to be Belichick. Like uh, Josh McDaniel went to Denver, tried to be Belichick. It was a disaster. Um, most of Belichick's protégés flame out, fabulously flame yeah. out. They all try to be Bill, and then these players see through it. So, like, there's well, – What does that mean? Is, well, I think they try to go in with a, with a discipline where they're like, all right, well, you know, they're going to be hard, you know, hard asses on them, call them out in film room, you know, like Belichick used to do with Brady all the time. But that's something that's earned over a period of success, and you just can't come in and change that. I think the biggest thing for, for players – um, they'll respect you if you're real and you're honest and everyone has felt that all those guys have tried to be someone different. They all try to go in and be mini bills and that just doesn't work. And you look at Brian Flores down in, in Miami, he's himself and he's seen some success and I think he's going to do a good job because he's himself. He's not trying to be a Bill Belichick Jr. And some of these guys, I, I think Patricia especially, was calling guys out and saying stuff that Bill did that just can't work because those players... Remember, do you they remember when Patricia called out the reporter for slouching? Right. And just mocked by everyone. Man, can't you just sit up and have some pride? And it was like, what? Like, but Belichick, like, people forget. Like, he got crucified in Cleveland for, his, for all his antics that he pulled. And the media there hated him. Yep. And he got fired. And he did it. And I think everyone doesn't, you know, really realize that like his stick wasn't is acceptable now because of what he's done. But before it was never accepted and the people in Cleveland hated it. And then I don't, I'm surprised that, you know, McDaniels and Patricia haven't figured it out. They like, you, you need to build credibility by winning before you start playing that card. And the players see right through it right away. And when you lose the, the respect of the players and they don't want to play for you because they know you're, you're trying to be someone and not original, they're, they're just going to throw it in the tank. They don't care. Now, um, you know, Josh McDaniels didn't get a sniff at any of these jobs, uh, I don't think. Well, the Philly uh, job was supposed to be hit. Philadelphia, right, he was and, – and maybe they'll regret not going to, not going to him – and going to this Sirianni guy, but uh, I wonder if that well has dried up. If it's a guy like Josh McDaniel or any Belichick uh, protege, or people looking, you know, twice at that, saying, 
this never works out. Let's get one of Andy Reid's guys. Those guys, those guys work out. And Eric Bieniemy still didn't get a job, which which absolutely fascinates me because of the success of the Chiefs. You would think they would start poaching that staff more and more. I'm really surprised to see that, that Bieniemy didn't get a job. But let's just McDaniel's is going to get something here. It'll it'll come yeah. in the next couple of years, just because. Well, these guys are going to flame out. I mean, Jerry, you said these guys could be one and done. Like if if, they, if these guys end up being monumental disasters as hires, then they're going to realize like we can't we can't do something like that. Josh McDaniels is a proven guy who's shown it as a coordinator. Granted, his head coaching career wasn't everything was cracked up to be, but he knows football and he's and well, he's I a mean, talented guy. So I, I have a tough time thinking that he's not going to get another shot. I think he'll get it. He'll be in the right environment. I actually well, think that he he will get it probably next year. What has he done without Brady? He, he, he was terrible without Brady. He was terrible in, in, in Detroit and Denver. I mean, I, I think we're all seeing now more than ever how important Brady was. We knew he was important, but it's uh, apparently he was much more important than we ever realized because uh, they seemed to be on the road to nowhere without him. And, uh, you know, maybe he got, but maybe he got the most out of what Cam Newton is right now. Maybe seven wins was the most you can get out of Cam Newton. And if Cam Newton goes somewhere else and starts and wins three games next year, then Josh McDaniels may look like a genius again. So he's not, he's not starting anywhere. It was a mistake for them that you're right. Seven wins was, they maxed out. Look at his numbers. Look at what he did. He threw for like, he had 12 interceptions and like what? Eight touchdowns. touchdowns, And you won seven games with that. That's, right. that's a miracle in today's NFL. That was, that was not a bad job by Bill Belichick, but now it gets tougher because nobody wants to come here. Nobody no. wants to go to New England without Brady. Yeah, here. Ton of cap, too. Ton of cap, to get, ton of cap space to get some people. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm just going to – I like I like the Rams' chances better than uh, the Patriots' chances, even though Matt Stafford has won nothing yet. But, uh, um, if I, I mean, if you're, you're Stafford, you're so fired up. You're, like, you know, determined to – to go out there and just win and, you know, just, just prove that uh, McVeigh, it's proof that you were worth giving up number one picks from here to the end of time. But hang on, hold that thought. I got to talk about our new sponsor, GovX.com. That's G-O-V-X.com. As we all know, uniform professionals sign up to serve causes greater than themselves. If you've ever served in the military, law enforcement, firefighting, or frontline medical communities, you are eligible for free membership in GovX.com, the greatest online shopping site for Americans of service like you. Your job demands a lot from you, from deployments to long shifts and the dangerous situations most people don't have the courage to face. There's a reason why GovX believes service-minded patriots like you deserve special recognition. GovX.com delivers the deals on all the gear you need for your on- and off-duty life. Register at GovX for instant access to discounts on epic brands like Oakley, Yeti, Garmin, Vortex Optics, Benchmade, Danner, and more. The site was built exclusively for the men and women who serve our country and communities. That's why every month GovX supports nonprofits serving the military, first responder, or law enforcement communities. We don't just thank you for your service. We honor it. Signing up is fast and easy and totally free. Become a member today and use code Callahan for $15 off your first order of $50 or more. GovX.com. Savings for those who serve. All right, I want to get to uh, I want to get to a couple other things because Mute is not only our quarterback guy, <laughs> but he's our financial guy. He's uh, I called him about two weeks ago and I said, Mute, I'm thinking about just pouring all my money into GameStop. <laughs> he said, don't do it. It's a failing company. And I and I didn't. Right now I'd be a billionaire, but Mute right. said 
you know, stay away from uh, GameStop. It's a store, a retail store. People don't go to retail stores anymore. It's in the mall. People don't go to the mall, and you talk to me right out of it. Well, it's right, it's right next to five guys down the street here from where we're at. I'm actually, I'm actually shocked Mute came in today because he was fired up at Jerry Callahan last week for choosing Dave Cullinan as the financial expert. Yeah, exactly. Expert. Like, he was not happy. He know about he this stuff. Behind like, the scenes, he I, was I've not this happy. for 20 years. I'm like, 20 years I've been doing this stuff. But, like, but, what the hell I'm talking about? Here's, like, but here's the fun. You're dumbass about it. Here's the fun part is listening, and, and we were doing this before we started recording. Listen to the Cullinan talk like he thinks he knows what he's talking about. Oh, he's got the lingo down. Yeah. Like he's got the lingo down. Well, because he's probably watched billions, and he's and he, <laughs> right, reads, right. he reads a bunch of shit on Twitter, so he thinks he knows what he's. Listen, talking guys, about. I'm, I'm bullish on GameStop. Yeah, right. What can I say? Uh, I mean, I'm bullish God, on GameStop. This, this is what happened. No, he, he follows Portnoy on Twitter, so now he thinks he's friggin' Carl Icon. Right. Uh, so, what's your take on uh, the latest with the GameStoppers? And uh, should I start with Colleen and then you? Yeah, you go with Dave, something? and then I'll the yeah, I'll I'll, climb, I'll politely retort. Oh, you were, on Friday or Thursday, Colleen, you were saying that you were loading up on Nokia. So yeah. is Nokia taken off? But that, was before, that was before Robinhood limited trades of Nokia, if not shut it down completely. That happened during the recording of this yeah. podcast. So that screwed me over. So I was down on Thursday, but uh, but we're gonna come ra- roaring back. I see AMC and GameStop up in uh, pre market trading. Oh, so there's go. my expo. Trade. Yeah, there's yeah. my expertise right there. We're, we're going to have a good day for GameStop. See, see, normally, I just pretend, uh, you know, I just fake it when I, subjects that I'm really not well versed right. in. But I've been calling my guys, you know, a couple of people Call I know. Besides you, who are yeah. in the in the business, financial uh, guys, brokers. And uh, I got I still have a question that I don't quite understand, Mute. It's, right. it's bugging me, but why is Robinhood so instrumental in this? If Robinhood shuts down trading, can't you go to E-Trade or Ameritrade or call you? Okay. Why do you need Robinhood? Well, it's actually, it's a good question. The, the one you. thing that it, that it helped, Robinhood got people to, it, it allowed people that didn't have uh, tons of money, but wanted to invest, to, to, to invest. And they gave them a platform where they could put this money um into their platform and invest. Now, what Robinhood would do, they aggregate all that money, all those little 500 to 1,000 or a couple thousand dollar accounts, and then they get these trade flows and they send their trade flows away that they're able to do it. Now, the problem is, is why they couldn't go away to answer your question is when you have an account there, um, and your money's invested in GameStop, right? And you wanted to buy more that you already have money into that account. So you could, they couldn't sell the GameStop stock that they own to take it out and go put it into a different account. They oh. couldn't go to an E-Trade or they couldn't go to Ameritrade or they couldn't go to Schwab uh, to go do that because they were either long the stock or wanted to go long the stock, but they didn't have accounts open at the other places. And it takes some time to open the accounts to begin with, with paperwork and other sort of information and then getting money access to there. And if they're all their money was tied up in their Robinhood fund, they couldn't they couldn't get it out so that so the, but what if, if it's someone with a big portfolio they have no problem uh someone with a big portfolio with robin, robin hood. hood so the robin hood the, the way robin hood screwed people is they were little people with yes. one account and, and limited funds right and it's just a series of you know whether it's it's even college kids like a ton of college kids got right. it it's a way of like you put a couple thousand dollars in in into an account and you go do it. So the thing is, is what you can I set this dummy straight? I'll tell you why Robinhood is popular because they sell crypto because you can buy cryptocurrency. Well, that Robinhood. is that that is true. And if you could buy weed stock, uh, weed too, because some of the the wirehouses because it's not legalized nationally, yes. you can't buy weed and you can't buy uh, and Bitcoin and all the other Correct. cryptocurrencies. You that cannot are super buy them. That popular. Is a fact. On so that's why a lot of people yeah. do that. But. 
But I, but I don't care. I'm asking why you can't just go to another uh, investment firm and say, Robinhood shut down. They screwed us. But I know this. I, I got to buy this stock. So I'm going to go. I think that's going to happen. Home. I think that, the, that now that the restrictions were were taken out, that Robinhood's going to lose a lot of their customers. And you'll see another platform pop up that will encourage uh, people to invest and do that. But I mean, what happened was they they aggregated all their trade flow and they ran it through which they had a ton, even though it may not be a ton of money, they had a ton of trades that would go through um, a trading firm and they tr- they routed their order through Ken Griffin at Citadel, which is a high frequency trading uh, shop hedge fund uh, based out of Chicago. But they got to see that that data and that trade flow. And when you're able to see trade flow, you're able to kind of me- make some bets, educated bets on the market. And that's what they were able to do. Um, so that's why it was important for the, the Robin hood people to, to have that platform, but also the, the Citadel guys where they, they routed those orders. were seeing what the Robin hood people were trading and they were able to get information on the market. And because of that, they were able to make bets either on the same side or other sides yeah. of it. And they controlled the flow. And when they shut down the ability to do, to trade on one side, well, then you don't have a free market. So you're going to have some, right. some, there's going to be some issues. Right, here, but here's what I need to understand is you, it, it seems so simple. I know there were 4 million people in this Reddit right. group, but it's just say you don't have 4 million, say you have a couple of thousand. Why hasn't this happened more often? Why doesn't it happen like again today where somebody knows these hedge fund guys are shorting uh, a company, to, counting on it to fail, to, 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 to drop? They say, look at that. Let's go and get whatever, a few thousand people to throw in a few thousand dollars each and totally turn it on its uh, head and uh, send the stock price soaring, ruin the hedge funds and make money. Why, yeah, why does that happen more often? The problem is, is that do they have enough, um, do they have enough capital to make that happen? And most of the retail investors don't, because if you're a billion dollar hedge fund, you don't just have a billion dollars at your disposal. You're able to leverage your portfolio and get three to four billion dollars. So you're putting all that you may not, you may only have one, but you can get a lot more. So you're going to be able to create the economies of scale where you can just out position people because you have more funds behind you. And, and that's the reason why some of these do it. Now, the reason it's happening more and more is the access to data. There's so much data out there and you're able to see these positionings and you're able to look and read through the numbers and to see who's holding stocks, who's short stocks because of the, the, the information is so much more at your disposal. And now, because back in the day when I started, most of trading, 90 some percent of trading happened on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. That's just not true anymore. It's all right. trading on computers. So the ability to have markets and fluid markets on in other various areas um, has allowed this to happen. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again and again. Yeah, you can trade anywhere. So the access to markets, the access to information are the reasons that this is all happening. And and to tell you the truth, I, I love it. I think it's great. The more and more that you have free markets, I think they need to let companies succeed and fail. And I thought it was a great lesson. I, I honestly think you're going to see case studies written about this GameStop forever because this is such a fascinating story and to show the different sides of the, the people involved in it. It's unbelievable. And it could also be the trend-setting movement for how how things happen now in the future because of the access and the ability for people to use social media and mobilize a force like they did on Reddit to be able to do that and to, and to kind of put those guys where you know a hedge fund had to get a... a couple billion dollars of liquidity because they had a massive short call. I mean, um, 
that that's amazing. That that's something that's amazing. Tell- I've never expected to see that that the retail people I, would do that. Unbelievable. I don't. I mean, I don't understand it like you do, but it seems to me that the Reddit guys are the good guys and the hedge fund guys are the bad guys. I mean, they're they're the establishment. You are. This is the bad whose money you have. <laughs> I'm 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 simplifying it. I look and see who's rooting for whom, and I see obviously Liz Warren, who's a tool of Wall Street. She's defending the hedge funds. I see the other people, uh, the Portnoy's are defending the Reddit guys. And I, I think it's an easy call because uh, I've seen some stories about people who are made money off GameStop and that you're right. There's college kids. There's one kid who's like a tot, uh, I forget how old, 10 years old right. and was given GameStop stock for Christmas because, you know, the kid liked games. And right. The was a, a good, and the kid made a fortune, made, I don't know what it was, like $100,000. Awesome. You know, I highly recommend what I what I did. I did I did watch and saw, and I, I usually, you know, don't pump this, but, like, there was a debate on uh, CNBC. I think it was either Thursday or Friday. You can go back and see the videos with uh, Joe Kernan hosted it, but it was between Bill Galvin, uh, you know, right. Massachusetts, oh, and, and yeah, Kevin Leary, one of the Shark Tank guys. Yep. Yeah, Mr. Wonderful. But the debate on that, that will, if you have any question as to, to why and, and who you're, what you feel and what you think on that, watch that debate and it'll, yep. it'll kind of really paint the picture as to what you want, what you expect and the things, um, you know, who you're cheering for, for per se, Jerry. I think that's, the, that's a good thing to watch. I think Galvin's point is that people, um, they, the speculation doesn't, he doesn't want speculation in the market because people right. get hurt by speculation. And Kevin Leary, O'Leary is basically like, that's what the market no is. Shit. It is free speculation. Yep. Yeah, know what you're doing. But we, we can we can play some of that. We talked about it the other day. Galvin uh, is another uh, tool of the establishment and voice of the establishment. The biggest and- thing you can't guarantee returns in this. You can't. You there's you don't buy a stock thinking that I'm guaranteed to make money on it. Now you buy it because you think you're going to make money in because you're buying a good stock for various reasons. But you don't go into it going that I'm guaranteed to make money here. Like you, there are other investment vehicles for that, not, not buying stocks, but that's to me, I think that's a, it's a ridiculous thing to say, to say that you, the expectations, some of the things that Bill, Bill Gavin said is just, just completely wrong. Right. Let me ask you this <clears throat> mute. When you see these big hedge funds, uh, pouring their money or it's not even, you know, whatever you call it, short selling right. a company, cause they think it's a bad company. It's going to fail. What is your reaction? Like if I showed you a week ago, that these hedge fund guys, have you ever heard of this guy, <clears throat> um, Gabe Plotkin? Yes. Gabe Plotkin uh, paid uh, $44 million for uh, two waterfront homes in Miami, and he was renovating them. He was putting in another, I don't know, many, many millions to renovate them. He lost his shirt the other day, um, thanks to all these these Reddit kids, right. which sounds good to me. Um, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not rooting for Gabe Plotkin. And from Melvin, but if you saw a week ago that Gabe Plotkin and friends were totally gambling that GameStop was going to drop, was going to fail, mm-hmm. what would your reaction be? Would you well, say that company's doing? Smart guy, I would be. Yeah, Dave, he's made a lot of money. There's a reason he has those homes. I, I would have been on that that same side of that trade, and a lot of hedge funds kind of uh, can view things that way. The, so the idea, the idea that a group of on Reddit or a group anywhere, like would come in and do the opposite and ruin, right. not about ruining game, but certainly hurt Gabe Plotkin. Did that ever enter your mind? Did that, was that, did you see that as a possibility? 
Yeah, I mean, you do because when you have smart people, I'm a firm believer in that I like to listen to smart people and follow what they do investment wise because there's a reason that they're successful. And the biggest thing that I say for for Dave Plotkin is I cheer and, and respect and embrace and love the fact that he has those homes, that he made that success. The problem I have is that on the other end is that you have to equally be allowed to fail when you make bad bets and it, and you can't just per se be bailed out, which he kind of was. However the hell it happens. Yeah. However the hell it happens. If you can make all that money, awesome. But you, if you're, you can't just be guaranteed or stopped out on a loss just because a bunch of, you know, Reddit fans get online and start buying stock and because you made, went public with your, with your piece, you said your short position that was on it, the, the market, you know, the, the people in the market saw it and they disagreed and they rallied behind it. That's the risk that you take in the market. So you can, you got to take the good with the bad. I celebrate the fact that he has that those homes and everything was successful. Well, but what, what, let me t- let me ask you this: What has he ever created? Because uh, I've seen people who flat out say hedge fund guys are bad guys because they're trying to they're just betting on companies to fail there, and when they do that, they ruin them. They ruin companies that have just you know been through a pandemic, and here they here comes these vultures and they ruin them. They create nothing. They manufacture nothing. See, I disagree with that. I I disagree with that. What what the hedge funds, they don't go and short a position in a stock because they like hate the people or hate the company. They just see inaccuracies in the company, whether they're not monetizing certain things well, whether they're spending too much money on on other products, whether uh, their management's not doing a good thing. It's not a personal thing. It's an, and it's an equity in the market where they see that there's a, there's something that they can, they look at at the balance sheet. They look at all these, these things and they come together with their investment decision that this stock is trading too high. They don't want it to go to zero. They just think it's, it should be trading lower. And I think that's the biggest misconception. Just because you short a stock, it doesn't mean that you hate the company and that you think it's going to zero. You just think it's going to trade lower than where it is trading now. If it's trading at a, you know, people did the same thing with Tesla and got massively burned last year. Look at what happened. Um, that's the risk in, in the market, but it's not personal. It's just based on whether it's math, whether it's fundamentals, whether it's technicals, there's so much information that's out there. They see that and they trade accordingly to it. They don't want the company to go to zero. They just don't think that it should be trading at the level it's trading at currently. I, I think you're just defending your own kind. because Absolutely. Know, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt. I, I mean, I don't, uh, in the, in the few times that I've talked to, you know, my friend, the financial advisor or another friend who's a broker, right. I never even thought to say, what, what could I, what should I short? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, because the, what's the biggest risk in that? Like, okay. So you buy a $10 stock, your, your downside is 10 bucks, right? right, right. Goes to zero. You short a stock because, which means you borrow a stock from somebody right? Because you think it's going to come in and then you buy it back at a lower level, right? So then you, you, you buy it back for cheaper, you make the difference, right? So your, your downside on shorting a stock is infinity, which GameStop has proved, right? You short a stock at five bucks, you think it's going to zero. It could legitimately go to 550 bucks, which it did. So that, that's why people don't short stocks because the risk in that is, is, is dangerous because it can go up as high as it, it wants. And that's why a lot of people don't do it. And nor should you do it if you're not experienced this one, and you're not trading and watching. You should not do it. This one wasn't as dangerous. I mean, it's dangerous based on Wall Street bets, but right. the actual company, like GameStop is a shit company. Even with all this, this newfound right. cash or whatever the hell this amounts to, they have nothing to show for it. Eventually it will go under. Yeah. I, don't know. I, 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 I read, 
I read where it was turning the corner because the new guy came in. This guy came in from the dog food company. Yeah. And he said, we're going to put GameStop online. They didn't have any online presence. He actually uh, had a plan to turn the company around. So there well, was some and, that, and, I, and you respect that. And sometimes you get that capital injection because your stock price moves up and you're able to use some of that money and put it to good use. Maybe change the vision and direction of your company. Don't forget, Netflix used to send DVDs in the mail, guys. So if we would have said the same thing about Netflix and they would have gone under and maybe they, they wouldn't have been successful, we wouldn't have what we have now. So people can change their direction. I don't know if GameStop can, but it is possible. So, so you're not they have this money. I think that maybe they can do something or at least cash out and then, you know, get get all your money out where you can go buy a nice house right next to the clock and hang out. I see um, a lot of people celebrating that these hedge fund guys were ruined or not ruined. They were bailed out, but you know, lost billions and billions. Just yep. in, stick to the man. Stick, yeah. Is that wrong? Are you not? Oh, why in- not? I mean, I I'm like pro hedge fund guy, but I, I am believer in that there needs to be repercussions. If, if these things happen, uh, I mean, if you're wrong, you're, you're wrong. You don't, you can't just go holding your hand out now to, to get one thing straight. Pocken didn't go to the government to get help, right? He went to, uh, investors and other partners that he had before, um, and they gave him capital. And in return for giving him capital, he gave up ownership of his company. So that's wow. significant. He gave up a lot to get to stay afloat. Uh, but it's not like like people get mad that he, he he did that. Well, that's what having investors is all about. He's not he's not tapping into the U.S. government for money. He's tapping. No, in. but I mean, you know, so, I mean, he might if it gets any worse. Call like one of his good friends. Call Liz Warren and say, "I need some, uh, I need some capital," and she would make sure he got it because she is bought and paid for by uh, Wall Street. But enough of this. Enough of this little GameStop story or this Super Bowl preview. We got to get to the talking about this. I mean, Colin, I where, 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 where you been, Colin? Before we start recording, Colin's going on and on like he's. I mean, mutes in the weeds. I mean, I, hedge funds suck. All right, that's my take. Hedge funds suck hedge funds and pump suck. up my stocks on Robinhood. That's yeah, all I want. Just don't limit. Doing. Just don't he's limit. He's in chat boards right now. It's a free market. That. That's that's the end of discussion. You could wrap this thing in a boat. Yeah. Free market. Are you, are you on? Are you on Robinhood, Colin? Yeah, goddamn right, I'm on Robinhood, and I'm watching my cryptocurrency hopefully pump. You're just a Elon pawn Musk. of the man, though. You're still a pawn of the man because Robinhood's controlled by Sizzle now. So go ahead. And everybody's. I know everybody's. Delete Robinhood. Everybody's yeah. staying on Robinhood because the ease of use. Yeah, shut up. Right. You're just being played like a pawn. Whatever. Well, I'll be laughing at you when my cryptocurrency goes through the moon in the next couple of days. So, yeah, are you? you heard that one before. Just, yeah, I mean, obviously, Cullinane's typical of a Robinhood guy, right? Just yes, he is. with $500. Are you going right. to go somewhere else now, Cullinane? Are you mad at Robinhood? Uh, I'm mad at Robinhood, but I'm too lazy to go anywhere else and figure See, Jerry, out. See, Jerry, that answered your question yeah, too. Yeah, that. that's because he's too. Well, it's lazy also, to go but it's also, it. I'm more interested in the cryptocurrency stuff, and that's the. It's easy there. You, it's not. It's not easy to buy Bitcoin for people who are just novices with this shit. So, no, yeah, it's not. Yeah, but it is a value. It is. It is interesting. This, the Bitcoin story. Why don't you just buy a bunch of computers and buy like some uh, warehouse space and start mining some of that shit? Oh, here we go. Here we See, go. I don't. I don't understand it. I mean, I've read a lot about. about yeah, I don't understand crypto. I don't really want to. I think you have limited space in your brain, and it, and obviously with Cullinane, is it's, he's reached overload. You can right. I feel like if I immerse yeah, myself, in that, yeah, with all the pink Whitney and weird drinks he has, he just only has so much capacity right now. He's just gotta just leave him alone. Poor I feel like I've, if you, I immerse myself in that mute, like the whole crypto, I, I feel like I'll just 
I'll I'll never it'll I'll leak out a hole and I'll never come back. It'll yeah, just, it could, but Elon, it could leak out some other stuff. Elon you, Musk. Good. Elon Musk on Friday changed his Twitter bio to just hashtag Bitcoin, and it shot Bitcoin up. What was it, seven thousand dollars? In, in immediately within an hour of him doing so, it is. It's just gambling. That's well, all it is. With it is. Yeah. It's yeah. It's and I enjoy it. gambling. Right. It, it should be, and I and I think that that's the beauty of the social media is that you're able to do it. I love the fact that the Reddit people mobilized and did that. I think it's a great. I think it's an amazing story. Guys from, really, by the way, really guys, do. I know we have listeners all over the country. Guys from Wilmington, the the, the leader of the pack is in its basement in Wilmington. Yeah, why I mean, we, why don't we get him on? Can we get him on the show? I'll, I'll, re- I'll reach out to him. And his goal is to build an indoor track facility in Brockton. In what? <laughs> he's going to use the money to build an, an indoor, indoor track, track facility, facility in Brockton. Yeah, yeah he's why? It. Love it because he his his Goals. goal in life was to break a four minute mile. He was a track star. Goals. Really? Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Yep. I, I, mean, I saw a few of the Reddit guys interviewed, and they're just exactly what you picture. You know, they're these kids, and they're, you know, their hair's all messy, and they got some poster on the wall of whatever, uh, Tony Hawk. And they're, <laughs> they're like, yeah, I put 500 bucks in. Now, now they're, well, I mean, they're not but millionaires. That's the great thing about it, right? What a great story. I loved it. There, I bet I you every single... Every single one. There's four million of them in that in that group. Every single one of them is smarter than the new Lions coach. That's my take. <laughs> to, wrap the, to wrap this up, we got to get to the most important story of the day. We're sitting here screwing off talking about the Super Bowl and talking about GameStop and Bitcoin. We got we got dog shit to talk about. All right, <laughs> okay. We got well, this is a big story. It has to be because the Globe put their best guys on it. The Boston Globe. They get to the the bottom of this story and. Uh, you're not going to believe it. I mean, it's it, this thing just it, it's it's blown up. I'm telling you, I'm a bad, wide open. I was I, up. I'm a bad person for not knowing this. Happened. If I were the Globe, I would jack up those prices right now because it is That's true. Fine. It is just Sunday paper is only like twenty seven dollars. They should make it thirty. But I'm going to mention. I'm going to talk about Shea Concrete. Then we're going to talk about one of our old friends who's in big trouble because uh, he yeah. didn't pick up his dog do. But uh, this is for you homeowners and home builders. Did you know that my brother-in-law, Greg, has a huge selection of precast concrete steps? Of course you did. He runs the place. He runs Shea Concrete. Whether you're building a new home or you need to replace an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs for any home available in concrete. Or you can customize with beautiful stone, granite, or brick. You pick out your steps. They do the rest. You sit inside on a cold winter day, and you watch them do all the work. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home. In most cases, they can remove the old stairs and have you walking up your new front steps within hours. Just like that, your house looks better and it's worth more. This is an investment. This is not an expense. This is an investment in your home. To learn more about Shea's precast concrete steps, just log on to SheaConcrete.com or stop by one of their four state-of-the-art facilities all over New England. That is SheaConcrete.com. All right. This story is about our uh, my old friend, your your Still partner in um, Boston yeah. College. Uh, if you don't know, Mute is the uh, color man. He's kind of the star of the show, like Tony Romo, and right. he carries his play-by-play guy, John Mita Perel, my old uh, colleague. He used to be the Flash Boy on my old show. Good friend, great guy. Um, I get a tweet, or someone tweeted at me yesterday, Sunday. Morning said, what do you think about Mita Perel and Tommy Hopper? And I go, what? I didn't know what the hell he's talking about. I kind of ignored it for a few hours. And then I said, you know, I should look into that. Google it. There was a story in the Boston Globe, which nobody reads. And if you need more evidence that nobody reads it, this story, I, I, that was it. I got one person who brought it to my attention. I talked to a couple of other people that yesterday, friends in the business, 
They knew nothing about it. I talked to Mute today, this I'm, morning, before we start recording. Goes, I've heard nothing about it. There is no newspaper in the world that has less uh, impact than the Boston Globe. So they have this story. I have to clear the history on my computer to read it because that's the only way you can read it if you don't subscribe. And who the hell subscribes? Anyway, I clear the history. I read it. And it's saying something to say it is one of the most ridiculous, idiotic stories the globe has done. But it's saying something. Uh, it's saying something. That is a high bar. But the Boston Globe has a headline that says uh, Red Sox Tommy Hopper sees racial bias in neighbor's police complaint. Um. It's a story about our guy Meter uh, and his uh, friend. Uh, what's Caswell? Uh, is um, former TV person. Um, what, uh, Christine Caswell. Sorry, Christine Caswell. She's a professor at uh, Boston College. We used to be on TV on Channel Seven, I believe. Anyway, they they have a house in Sharon, and their dog took a dump on Tommy Hopper's um, property. <laughs> Meter. And I know him, and I believe this, didn't pick it up right nope. away. Nope. It, it's not his job. He definitely sent <laughs> his son to go do it. They end, up, yeah. they end up in a feud with the neighbor, uh, Tommy Hopper. If you don't know Tommy Hopper, he played for the Red Sox back in the 70s. He was a central, uh, central figure in the, the scandal down in Winter Haven when the Elks Club only invited the white players to their uh, place for for dinner and drinks whatever they didn't invite the black guys it became a big story a, a you know it was it was legit harper was kind of uh at the forefront of this viewed as a as kind of a um hero in this in this battle and he's he's had a great record i don't ever remember any a bad word said about him but in this case he's full of crap i'm not uh, i'm not afraid to say it because i know meter i don't know meter's right? girlfriend but there, he literally says that nothing was said or done racist. He just felt like, you know, um, you could just, here's, here's the quote, I believe. Uh, he says, uh, it's not knowing subtle, subtle racism is real, like a summer breeze. You can't see it, but you can feel it. So Mita Perel and his girlfriend Caswell say nothing, do nothing racist. They just have a feud because he was mad at them for not, and I don't blame them for being mad. They didn't pick up the dog crap. They eventually, you know, work it all out. Yeah, meters at fault here. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, I mean, he sure picked up the the poop. It's not hard to do. Just go. It's your job. You know, your dog. Curb your dog. Meter. Be better. Right. Exactly. And I, I say this all the time. I lived in the suburbs for the first eleven years of my dog's life. Mm-hmm. I never picked up one dump. It was always, he used to, my dog is great at this. He goes in the bushes or he goes yeah. in the woods. He never does it right in the middle of the lawn. Never. So I, and then I moved to the city and I pick up, you know, two dumps a day. You have to, you, people will give you dirty looks. You I mean, you just have to, well, I mean, yeah, you don't just let your dog poop and not clean up after it. Right. I've have had, I've up. Neighbors. I don't have a dog, but I have tons of neighbors that have dogs and they, they clean up. And when you see it dumping you on, you get pissed. You're like, why didn't someone pick that up? Well, yeah. You want to step in that? Right. No. So meter obviously is at fault and he admits it, you know, that they, you know, they forgot to pick it up one time. I could see him. I know this move where you look and you pretend you're picking it up. Right. You don't actually pick it up or even better. You pretend you don't see it. You dug one and you look and you pretend you're on your phone. Oh yeah. All those moves. Yeah. But that's beside the point. 
you know, we're talking about a typical feud fight between neighbors over who was supposed to pick the dump up and who didn't and whatever. And they make this leap to racism just because that's what Tommy Hopper does here. He says, you can feel the racism like a summer breeze. And of course the Boston globe falls right in line and says, uh, you know, in its headline that uh, there's a racial element to this. Well, this is basically your fault, Jerry. You know that although meters should have cleaned up the poop, it's your fault because of what, you know, your this, the podcast and everything that you did on the radio is that you've made meter into a bad person because of all the all and guilt racist. by association. Yeah, guilt by yeah. association. So because it's basically your fault. You should go clean up the poop as as reconciliation for making it up to meter for every for causing him to go through this. Because if he wasn't on your show, this never would have been a, a, a headline. They would yeah. have they would and, have said meter Perel, Boston College guy doesn't like the cleanup poop. Meter and there was obviously a uh, the confrontation between Harper and Caswell and Meter, and Meter says that he witnessed, he says I witnessed Harper confront Caswell in an angry, profanity-laced manner. She and her children were frightened after this incident with a man they had never before met. They never met him. Christine um, sought advice from the uh, Sharon police. I think they just said one of the cops uh, uh, volunteered to like mediate, but she declined. She just, they just said, stay away from him. Don't let your dog, you know, go on his property, which is what you'd expect. Right. And that's all fine. So what? It's a feud between neighbors happens every day. The only way this matters to the Boston globe is if they make it into a racial incident between, you know, these white privileged people over here who teach at Boston college and used to be on the radio and, and this, you know, uh, old, he's 80 now, Tommy Hopper, this old black guy who's lived through much, ra- you know, a lot of racism in his life. It's absurd. It's ridiculous that they even play along with it. If you want to write about a feud between neighbors, fine. Mm-hmm. If you're going to write that it's racist, I'm sorry. I have this crazy standard. You need some evidence. Don't you think you need something? Well, more than dog poop. Yeah, I would say something, something more than dog poop. Yeah. Something more than dog poop. I, I think they should have just gone toe to toe out there. Why did Meter make make her go out there and not get get her back? They, I think toe to toe fight in the in the yard because she. I guess it's her house. But you know what? I I would say that I read this. I know two things. I know Meter doesn't have a racist bone in his body, and by on top of that, he's a jock sniffer. Yeah, he loves former Red Sox players yeah, more than anything. And and I know that he would pull that move where you pretend to pick it up or you pretend yeah. you don't see it. So he's, he's guilty. But he's guilty of being a jock sniffer and being lazy and not picking up poop. And she, and that, that's she, a and fact. She, you she, can't deny those two things about me. And she, and the only factual information out of all this thing, minus, I guess, you know, some of the poops shit, but it is, she went to Facebook and wrote something like an asshole. That's what she did. She went right. to Facebook and, and wrote but again, like Again, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. There's nothing racial in the post on Facebook, which people do all the time. And one of the things that uh, one of the reasons Harper thinks that she has a problem with him is the dog took a dump in some other neighbor's yard and she worked it out and they got along fine and she didn't blame him or whatever. And I'm saying, yeah, because they're friends. I mean, she doesn't know Harper. She knows the other guy. She says, I'll pick the dump up and and they worked it out. But tell me this. What's worse than being in this day and age, I mean, uh, worse than being a racist, not much, right? I mean, you uh, obviously being a murderer is worse, but that's a crime or being a pedophile, but that's a crime right. to call someone a racist is to label them and tarnish them and brand them and make 
their life difficult going well, forward. Yeah, it's tough to shake that. What the freaking Boston Globe did, and this is despicable, typical Globe, but despicable, is they just labeled Mita Perel and Caswell, you know, racist. It says right in the headline, you know, Tommy Hopper thinks, sees a racial element here. So when someone Googles Mita Perel's name and he's, uh, you know, got a, he's always looking for a new job. As you know, he does play-by-play for ESPN, but he's always looking for new gigs. In fact, the one thing he would like to do more than anything would be do some Red Sox games. And God knows they could use the help, do some Red Sox games on the radio where they have like the worst play-by-play guy in the world. But he's not going to get that because they'll Google his name and say, ooh, he had a racial problem with a former Red Sox player. It's This is, this is just beneath... Even the Boston Globe is beneath contempt what they did here in the headline, in the story. And they literally, they have a picture of Tommy Harper looking distressed out in his property. And let me see where the, where the part is where he says she did nothing, said nothing racist. He could just feel it in the air. It's the second to, uh, no, it's the uh, fourth to last paragraph. But Meter didn't say anything. He was just. Neither did she. No, no, but I mean, but Meter never spoke to Tommy Harper. Like right. he never went, the only thing Meter did was just not pick up poop, right? He didn't like go say anything. Is that he right? Says, I recognize Harper said he believes race factored in Caswell's reaction to him. Quote, I recognize there are millions of white women who do not lie to police to get the upper hand on an African-American man over a minor dispute. But history tells us that they have the power to do so. And that's the point. Subtle racism is real, like a summer breeze. You can see it. You can't see it, but you can feel it. I'm sorry. You need more than that if you're going to try to ruin this woman's life. And the Globe, if they're going to play along like they often do, they 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 pick sides and they try to ruin people. And they're trying to ruin Caswell and Mita Perel on a completely specious charge. It's it's outrageous, even for the Globe. It's just despicable. But. And even, I mean, just the, the, from a meter perspective, because we all know him, know what such a good guy he is. He like he has uh, a precedent of a mistake happening and him apologizing. Right. You know, they write about it in the story. It's just this is peak. I cannot believe that Bob Holer of all people was right. trying to write something like this. It is it's embarrassing. I feel this bad. is their big investigative reporter who does yeah. you know some sports. And he he's the one you know they they put him on. To the smear campaign with uh, Terry Francona to ruin Francona when Francona was leaving town. They point the whole story up. Francona was on drugs and his marriage was falling apart. And, you know, typical of the Red Sox ownership to try to ruin their former manager on his way out the door. And, and Holler was just doing his job. I mean, that's what they told him to do. And he did it. But he's a big, he's, you know, he's a great reporter. And what he does is investigations that go out over months. And they put him on a story about dog crap. An attempt to smear, you know, Mita Perel and Caswell on behalf of Tommy Hopper. It's it's outrageous. This is what the media cycle has turned into, that you gotta do dog poop stories to get to get headlines. Now the good news is that obviously up until we started talking about it, not a lot of people were talking about it. But no, nobody no one even heard it happen. I feel bad for me. I feel bad I didn't even know what happened. I should have supported Well, he's lucky. He's Reddit fans to get meets back on this one. I think that that's what we need. He's lucky that it was in the globe and no one reads it. So maybe it won't have the reach, but again, that people will Google him. If he's like, he applies for the play by play job, you know, next week for the, uh, whatever the Colorado Rockies, because he would do anything. He would drop anything to be a play by play guy for a major league team. Right. 
First thing they'll do is Google and say, oh, well, well, Tommy Hopper felt the racism in the summer breeze. You know, can't have, we don't want to get involved with that. It's right. just so wrong. It's so wrong. It's, it, it, again, you know, we know this is what the globe does, but even for them, even by their standards, this is wrong. Uh, I'm sorry. Mita Perel is getting screwed here, and so is uh, Miss, Miss, Ms. Caswell. And uh, the, the globe knows it, but they don't care. It's Everything's about race to them, and everything's about, you know, the, trying to ruin people that they don't like. And I guess they don't like me. They're guilt by association. He said, hangs out with you, mute, so they're trying to ruin I, it. Yeah, it's you. It's not me. Uh, I'm not I'm not like you. You're the you're the yeah, well, guy here. Well, I'm just a, just a guy. You know what? The okay. the bias against him, the repercussions, they'll be subtle too. They'll be like a summer breeze because he won't even know it. People will look and say, mm, I don't want to call him. I don't want him doing our game. I don't want to be associated yeah, with him. Sucks about that. But it's so easy, you know, you build a so long to build a reputation and then one bad article can just tear it all down and it's not even true. And right. as per usual, the retraction is always a lot smaller than the, you know, than the story that's out there. But so we, we mentioned, worse for me. we mentioned this before the show, but last week we were talking about the Boston globe just uh, launched a new initiative called the fresh start, which means you can go and lobby the Boston globe to remove an article from their database that was inaccurate or portrayed you in a different light if it's impacting you in a negative way getting a job be it or something like that Ooh. meter is the prime example right now that that is going to show when you search john meter perel's name that's the first thing that's going to be on google because it's paired with a major uh newspaper organization in the in the country it's gonna be the first search result he is the he is prime for that program like a week after they launched it. It is, it is ridiculous. I, I, I said that if I had to go back and try to get them to correct the mistakes that the, in the stories about me, it would take years, years to just go over. I mean, every, if you were to fix every mistake the globe had made, that would take a, like an army of like thousands and it would be a full-time job for the, the foreseeable future. What's it called? Ob Operation clean slate. What did, what did you call it? Uh, fresh start. Fresh start. Yeah, fresh, fresh start. start. That clean yep. slate was the uh, Batman thing, I think. Yep. Yeah, hey, it's, 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 first of all, it's also just like, think about it from uh, just everybody's so fucking irritable this past year, too. So you can totally see like this guy comes over with a bag of shit. He's angry. They're yelling. Now they're just yelling back and forth to each other. What does that have to do with race? We're all assholes. I mean, that I is agree. Crazy. Like if they, that were the story, I would blame Meter. I would say it's obviously Meter Perel's fault. It's his girlfriend's fault. They should have picked up the dump. It's their fault. Yep. I say Meter has to pick up the dog shit from everybody in Sharon for at least the month of February. I, I agree. And or I would, if I was Meter's neighbor, I would definitely do that. What like the put the dog poop in the bag, light it on fire, and hit his <laughs> hit his <laughs> the doorbell and run away <laughs> and make Meter shit, step. Oh the shit! Poop. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Tommy Hopper should do that. Just scoop it up with a That's shovel and throw it on his front step. I'd be. Yeah, fine I would, I would love to have seen the video of Meter stepping on flaming poop. That would be what's what's worse? Awesome. What's the worst punishment for meter? He has to pick up all the poop in the neighborhood for the next month, or he has to read the Boston Globe every day, front to back, every no, day for the next month. What's that's worse? cruel. No, that's I'd rather eat that's the damn cruel. dog do than do that. That's that'd be cruel. By by any standard, that would be cruel. <laughs> but uh, we'll yeah, we'll see if they follow it up and say, you know what? On second thought, branding someone as racist when there is zero evidence—that's wrong. You will never hear that from the Globe. You'll never read that. They live to uh, slander people like this and they do it doing it to our friend Mita is just so wrong.
But anyway, typical globe and good thing for me to nobody read it. If we didn't talk about it, no one would even know about it. I, I so just it I just did all about, I just did all the search terms humanly possible around uh, meter, Harper, dog shit, Caswell, like everything on Twitter. I counted nine tweets. Nine tweets in the last three days. I saw one. That was it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is, that's the Boston Globe in 2021, folks, right? right? That's the good news, Meter. You got you got slandered by these people, but no one saw it. So anyway, good luck to Meter, you know, getting through that. And uh, I'm sure, you know, he was going to uh, ask Harper for an autograph or, you know, like a selfie at some point. So that's out, unfortunately. That's out. But anyway, Mute, thanks. Uh, we appreciate uh, your expertise today on on quarterbacking and on uh, GameStop, two of our yeah, don't listen to Cullinane's oh Robin God. Hood advice yeah, anymore. Nah, take away from today, take away from that, today's Jerry, show. You take away, don't don't give Cullinane your money or you'll be broke. The entire internet is lit on fire for the last week, and mute mute's quote of the day is "I'm a hedge fund guy." So that's a great that's a great category. I, am, to be in. I, I don't care. I'm a hedge fund guy. Well, so. What will you say when your kids uh, they start learning more about your business when they say, "Dad, what do you create? What do you make? What do you, what will you say?" Like dinner, the food on your table, <laughs> the, the mortgage payment. If you ask any other questions, you can go somewhere else. I do good things. I, yeah. I enhance wealth, Jerry. That's what I you do. Enhance wealth. Enhance That's a good wealth. answer. You enhance wealth. That's right. Ooh, wow. Look at that. People trust me, and I enhance their wealth so that they're able to do nice things, pay for their kids' college, buy a second home, retire. All these things. I enhance wealth, Jerry. What's do you have any real small time clients that have like a couple hundred dollars they want to invest? Um, I help people out. I help a lot of my. I've always helped my friend in, in the twenty years of doing this. I've always helped friends and and family when they've asked questions and given my thoughts and opinions on certain things. And I I tend to do that, and I will do that for people I I like and trust. I'll do that. Yeah. Well, you answered lots of my questions today, so yeah, I appreciate it. It's a. It's a, still a confusing story, but I feel like I, I have a better grasp of it now after talking to you. So My we pleasure. will let you let you go shovel, uh, Mute, and uh, we appreciate it. Thanks to Mute, and thanks to uh, to Shake Concrete and DCU and Allied Paving, and thanks to GovX. Um, anything else, Cullinane? I have much well, stuff to get I, to. I, I mean, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were just as rattled as I was when you saw uh, Newton guy John Krasinski kiss uh, Pete Davidson over the yeah, weekend. Yeah, that was so stupid. I wanted to get to that. I got to write my my notes on how pathetic. I'll just say, you know, quickly. I won't get into it like I sometimes do. Right. Saturday Night Live is so gutless, so cowardly. They hadn't been on in like a month, right, or more than a month before right. Christmas. They came on and did do didn't do one joke about Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, of all the gaffes Biden's had, of all the lies he's told and all the executive orders and Kamala Harris and her lie about being a kid and saying freedom. And there was a lot of material there. They didn't do any of it. In fact, you know what else they did on SNL? Like mute, they took the side of the hedge funds. They took Gabe Plotkin's side against the Reddit guys. So it is just a gutless show. They don't have any edge. They don't have, they're not, anti-establishment at all like they used to be john belushi's rolling over in his grave at the at the little stooges who uh now do uh do the job he used to do but anyway don't get me started yeah um, apparently the, the kissy, and, uh, kissy krasinski i like krasinski but he he they said he imitated tom brady he didn't imitate didn't even try to imitate tom brady it was lame the show the whole show was lame it was pathetic but anyway <laughs> nothing new just like the globe you know Not what you're gonna get you know what you're gonna get when you tune into snl i do it anyway i wanted to see uh i want to see machine gun kelly 
you know, see if uh, dude's sick. Well, you got to see him fall off the stage at the end of the That's show. That's true. He got the, he hugged his uh, fellow uh, drug addict there, uh, uh, Pete Davidson. They fell off the stage together. That was the highlight of the show. Yeah. So if you have it on, if they were definitely sober when that happened too. Right. If you recorded it, go back and watch the very end when Kaczynski says good night, everybody, and they wave. And they're all wearing their masks. And Machine Gun Kelly and uh, Davidson fall off the stage together. He was okay, I guess. I don't really uh, understand the appeal. He's so big now, but uh, he just looks like a troubled young man. That mach- it's not going to end well for Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, first of all, his parents named him Machine Gun, which right. is a little weird. Please. Secondly, he's got tattoos on his tattoos, and he considers Pete Davidson his best friend. So well, I don't think it's going to end well for either of those two. He's dating uh, Megan Fox, so I don't really. We can shit on him all day long. Wait, but, uh, he hit the jackpot. Machine so. Gun Kelly's dating Megan. Fox. Isn't that the guy? That's that's the same guy. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Is he? Well, they both, actually, maybe. Yeah. They they both have issues. I don't think that's going to last. I'm just guessing. But anyway, all right. Well, we'll leave it there. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Podcast, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. Can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. During our lowest prices of the season, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $8.99. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information.